dark discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the films, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. (laughs) Right. Exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Hello! Welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion for our film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? Time is on my side. Yes, it is. Spotify may may kick us off the, their their site for for using copyrighted <laughs> material. <laughs> lousy, lousy bastards. Well, fuck Spotify. Yeah, the hell with them. And in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? Pleased to meet you. Why don't you guess my name? Another one. <laughs> Uh, with Spotify. <laughs> Screw you. Anyway, uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? I am doing very well, and I like the stones more than I thought I did. They are solid. <laughs> they are solid. Yes. Yes, they are. And, and I, I actually have Mick Jagger's autograph. And even though I probably prefer to have Keith Richards, but. It is what it is. And, or, or actually, Brian Jones. That's probably worth the most because he's dead. Rest in peace. Anyway, uh, we also have a special guest from the state of Missouri. Good evening. My name is Kevin. How are you all today? Doing well. Doing well. I, I guess I'm speaking for everybody because no one else spoke. I, I wasn't going to try and get us all the answer. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So. For folks who are new to the podcast, uh, who we are, we are the Dark Discussions Podcast, part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It's the website. Uh, what we do here, we talk about films, so horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, arthouse, midnight movies, cult films, foreign language films, drive-in, fair, and the like. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, today is January 18th, 2024, because some of our listeners like Pam are always curious when we record our episodes because they aren't all released immediately after we record them. Sometimes they're left in a queue to be released on rainy days when we can't record and so we can still have an episode weekly. Uh, but this one will most likely be released immediately uh, next week, uh, so around uh, January uh, 25th, 26th, 27th, somewhere in there. Um, anyway, uh, we do have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com. You can email us and just put DDP in 
the subject line and then whatever else you want to put in the subject line. And we will read your email on the podcast. Putting DDP in the subject allows us to do a search in our inbox so we can find your email because otherwise it will get lost and mixed up with all the screeners and crapola that we get from uh, companies that want us to uh, check out their indie work or mainstream work or whatever. We, we, we even get emails from Sony. So uh, DDP in the subject and then whatever you want. And we will read your email on the podcast. Uh, Eric, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? They can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon allows you to contribute to your online artists like us. Producing this show is not free. We have to pay for stuff like computer equipment and web domains and website hosting and movie tickets and so on and so forth. So if you'd like to help offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. We appreciate any and all contributions. Indeed, indeed. And uh, actually, uh, that may be uh, related to our topic tonight, as a matter of fact, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, let's see. So we also have a Facebook group, which is called um, uh, – what is it called? Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. So, yes, yes, uh, join us there and join in the conversations. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, I think that may be pretty much it. But, uh, um, yeah, I think that should be pretty much it. Um, all right. So uh, I think we get into our episode tonight. But uh, at the end of the episode, if we do have uh, some time, we'll talk about what we've been watching uh, or news uh, related to the genre and things of that nature. But uh, otherwise, we will um, continue uh, to, I guess, wrap it up just because it could be a long episode. We don't know. But either way, uh, Eric, uh, actually, let's ask you, Mike. Let's have Mike speak. Mike, what, uh, uh, Eric mentioned something about Patreon. What, what, what's Patreon all about? What, what, what's tonight's episode all about? Something about Patreon. What's going on? You're supposed to ask this of Eric. <laughs> I would say the same. Well, Patreon is a way for you to support your uh, independent uh, artists, creators, or bullshitters, in our case. Um, so it helps. And, and any contributions you make towards Patreon goes to help pay for the various expenses, particularly really the the, the server costs uh, needed to keep the podcast going and maintain the entire back catalog minus 125 episodes available for free for anyone to download and listen to at any time if self-harm is, in fact, something you're into. Um, you can, for every $5 you donate per month, uh, you'll get an option. Uh, what is it, every three months? Yes. Every three months, we will uh, request that you submit a request for a movie for us to watch. So, for example, I'm about to buy Jason and the Argonauts on Voodoo. So if you want us to cover Jason and the Argonauts, you can do that three times. Or perhaps you want to do uh, a smorgasbord of Ray Harryhausen films, and so you put in one vote for Jason and the Argonauts, one vote for uh, Valley of the Guanjai, and one vote for uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And then every three months, we will you'll be assigned a number. We will pick that number, and maybe your film gets picked. And then maybe we get around to actually watching that film and reviewing it one day, <laughs> much as we are about to do tonight. That is right. So tonight is a Patreon pick. Uh, we, we're doing an episode on a Patreon pick, one of the uh, films that our listeners asked us to uh, do. 
as we pulled it out of the hat, uh, quote unquote, figurative hat. And it was one of the uh, uh, films that one of our Patreon folk requested. And so we're, we're going to do that tonight. So we want to thank that person. Unfortunately, it was before we kept track of the person who actually suggested the film. So I, I'm not quite sure who suggested this film. But uh, either way, uh, thank you uh, to you and all our patrons. The, the four or five that there are. Um, all right, so uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to talk about? We're hearing a lot of background noise, Kevin. Like, yeah, somebody's go on, slamming on their microphone pretty good. Yeah, you got to go on pause. You got to go on on mute when when, when uh, yeah okay, there we go when you're not talking. But either way, uh, Eric, what are we going to talk about tonight? Tonight we're going to be talking about a 1998 film starring Denzel Washington and John Goodman called Fallen. It's the brilliant detective who sealed my British fate. Remember this, Hobbs? What goes around really goes around. You have a safe trip, yeah? It's on my side. Go ahead! Light up my life! Criminals like Reese, they kill a few people somehow, it ain't their fault. But what took place tonight is the consequences of what I do. You're home early today. Or change. Detective John Hobbs wants to uncover the truth. What does Azazel mean? Now, my dictionary says that evil spirit of the wilderness. Walk away, Mr. Hobbs. But nothing in this world is on my side. Can help him solve this case. There are angels. Some of these angels were cast down, and a few of the fallen were punished by being deprived of form. Come on, get out of here. And each touch. And at the execution, did he try and touch you? Yeah, he did, actually. Passes the soul of a killer into someone new. Well, I believe what I see, and I'm still trying to get my mind around what I just saw. Some things, pal. You shouldn't know. I know you, Hobbs. Put the gun down. I know who you are. Put the gun down! Is on my side. Hey, pal. My work is based upon evidence. And aren't your facts resistant to normal interpretation? Hey, Hobbs. Leave my family alone. But I'm still having fun. Denzel Washington. How do we fight him? Is it even possible? I believe it is. John Goodman. Josie, you know I didn't do this. I know it is, Hobbs. Diane Sutherland. I know you know more than you're saying. <laughs> Haven't you done enough, huh? Time is on my side. Fallen. Uh, that's right. Uh, as the Skype says, we are old. A film that is now 26 years old. Uh, <laughs> Fallen, a uh, film uh, directed by Gregory Hoblet, uh, who's uh, actually uh, was fairly well known back in those days. Cause, uh, and we actually did uh, one of his films prior. We did uh, Primal Fear. He directed that film. And uh, he did Frequency. He did this film, among other stuff, including television, uh, and is um, uh, generally retired now, it seems, because he hasn't done anything for about nine years. But uh, he actually did some uh, of the television series, The Strain, 
too, as a matter of fact. And my God, the strain is from 2015. I'm nine years old. My God, it seemed like it was yesterday. Uh, also, uh, Nicholas Kazan, uh, son of uh, the great Elijah Kazan, who uh, um, wrote a number of great screenplays and directed a bunch of Sure, good stuff as well. But uh, his uh, his son, Alaya Kazan, uh, actually uh, Academy Award nominee for uh, the screenplay for A Reversal of Fortune, uh, and he's done a lot of damn good films, including At Close Range with uh, Christopher Walken, Patty Hearst, the film by uh, Paul Schrader, um, and so on. And uh, this film here is called Fallen. Uh, Fallen stars. A uh, number of uh, actors of note, especially back in that time, and some of them are still around today, uh, starring Denzel Washington, uh, John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, James Gandolfini, Elias Cateus, and Embeth DeWitts. Um, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of big names uh, from the day and, and a lot of great character actors and, and well-known uh, people. Uh, the film uh, has a Rotten Tomatoes approval rating of only 40%, and that was actually the reason why I skipped it at theaters back in the day, because uh, Roger Ebert uh, said it was mediocre. Um, but uh, it was picked as a Patreon, and uh, it was a box office the box office bomb, budget of forty six million, probably because of all those actors we mentioned, uh, but it only made twenty five point two million dollars. Uh, so, with that, I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it, and how we when we first saw it. And uh, let's start with you, uh, Mr. Lutz. Well, the first time I heard of it is when it first came out back in ninety eight. Uh, I always remember the. Part in the preview where they were showing the uh, all those people passing in front of Denzel Washington, saying, "You know, beware my wrath" and, and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't see it uh, until well tonight, and it's Denzel Washington, and I don't think I have ever seen Denzel Washington in a movie where he wasn't good. So. It may have bombed at the box office, but it's actually better than I thought it would be. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I heard about it when Roger Ebert uh, reviewed it back in the day. I can't remember if Cisco was was it was during Cisco's time or not, but either way, uh, uh, that's how I first heard about it back in 1998. Uh, re- religiously watched Cisco and Ebert, or Cisco, uh, not Cisco, uh, Ebert and Roper. Uh, probably my favorite show. As uh, a young lad at those days, a young lad. Uh, but uh, either way, um, I decided to pass on it, even though it sounded interesting, even though it had something to do with religion and horror, uh, because Ebert and whichever co-host uh, were not necessarily fans of the film. So I skipped it. Never saw it until today, uh, before work. And... Um, Kevin Letts is correct. Denzel Washington uh, is always good as an actor. This is no uh, exception. And actually, uh, I thought it was actually a pretty solid film. Uh, it deserved way better than the 40% that these critics say and, and what Ebert said as well. Uh, had a pretty great uh, uh, storyline. Um, they, they, they uh, I guess they advertised it as a supernatural horror film right off the bat. So I can't say that they gave away the uh, 
the mystery, but uh, I think this film would have even been a lot better if, if they had held to their cards a little more and then suddenly, boom, we find out that uh, what's going on. But uh, all in all, uh, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. It was a great time and uh, high recommend. Uh, let's go for you, Eric. Yeah, um, I actually did see this movie when I was in the theater. Um, and I remembered enjoying it. Um, but it's not a movie that I've been like, oh, you got to see this. Um, you know, uh, in revisiting it this week, um, the, the reason this movie works is because of its tremendous cast. Um, everybody in this movie is a powerhouse. Um, and they're, and they're doing good work. Um, I think what brings it down a little bit is some of the visual effects of the day. Uh, like the thing Kevin was just referencing that was in the trailer. Um, the late nineties had some unfortunate visual effects because like, uh, computer stuff was getting advanced enough that people were like, Ooh, this is cool. I want to use it, but it wasn't really there yet as it would be in the two thousands. Um, so you get some effects that really don't quite hit the mark. And I think it's fair to say that this movie is one of those. Uh, I mean, I get what they're doing. Uh, and I think it's important to do what they're doing with the visual effects there. Uh, but I don't think it really comes through as something awesome. Um, so yeah. Uh, and also after, uh, watching it, I was ruminating on how, uh, it actually has a lot in common, uh, with one of our, uh, favorite films from last year, Nefarious. Um, so yeah, uh, I enjoy this movie. It's, uh, you know, it's not perfect, uh, but it's certainly worth checking out if you haven't seen it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? Sorry. I pretty much echo everything Eric said. Um, it, it The visuals are definitely, it, it makes it feel dated almost. Um, it, it, I agree that it's probably, it needed to be there, but it just, it, now that I see it, um, I saw this originally in the theater back in the day. Um, and I loved it then. I still love it now, but yeah, those, those visuals are a little dated. The story I think is really what great. Um, Denzel Washington, of course, is awesome as always, but so is the rest of the cast. This would not be nearly as good a movie without the full cast. Um, and it's just a really enjoyable film. And I really like the use of the, the Rolling Stones music, um, sandwiching the movie it's just they're both perfect songs for it all right sounds good and mike yeah so this came out the year i met my wife which would have been february 1998 somehow despite the fact that i like to go to as many movies as i can and my wife has a fondness for horror films and religious horror films in particular we somehow missed this one. Um, and I remember watching it on VHS uh, in her apartment. Whether we watched it before or after we got married, I don't know. And it really is irrelevant. And I liked it. I was pleasantly surprised because I was aware that it bombed. The interesting thing with the Rotten Tomatoes is that like, they have to go back and figure out the archival scores and they're not necessarily what people think of the movie now. It's what did people think of the movie then. Uh, I have a feeling it would fare better now. And 
I think you could call it out as a movie that was following certain trends. The 90s, a lot of horror movies were chasing trends, even maybe more so than horror movies usually do. Uh, and this may have been trying to cash in because Seven, I think, had come out two years earlier, which was a horror film with a religious theme with an A-list actor or two A-list actors. And this may have been trying to, to, to follow suit or may have been greenlit, uh, greenlit for that reason. Uh, I, I think it works mostly because it is, like I said, fen- a phenomenal cast is a, a solid premise and it is certainly competently executed. There are some very good moments in it. Um, it may run a little long, I think, and maybe that hurt it. Uh, if you're in theaters, you can feel a length of a film more than if you're sitting at home and easily distracted. You know, if you get bored for a moment, you can check out and check your phone or take a leak or whatever. Uh, so I'm wondering if that, that may have something to do with a different percep- uh, perception of the film on home video versus um, it's the actual release. It's just a hypothesis. I, I can't confirm it one way or another. Um, and it may have just gotten lost in a shuffle of a lot of stuff that came out then. Uh, it, it's just, just, just as a reminder, um, it stars Denzel Washington, whose son is now one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Uh, we've had a rule which we uh, pretty much borrowed from horror, et cetera, that you have to be 20 years old before you can remake the movie. You know, this is now 26 years old, so prime for a remake because we're old. <laughs> Uh, just not that I'm saying, my, not some saying they should remake it. However, I will point out Mean Girls came out 2004, 2024 Mean Girls remake arrived right on time. Um, but I'm just saying that it's something that hypothetically could be done. Uh, I think this is about as good as it could be. I didn't have a problem with any of the effects. I mean, they, um, unless there's something I'm, I'm forgetting. I mean, there's like the weird monkey camera work, but... Uh, to show the, the 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 movement of the demon, but I, I kind of heard that it's kept off screen, and to me that's just sort of you know weird camera vision that we always you know, monster vision that we see a lot in horror films. But yeah, I think it's a, a solid film. Uh, I like the ending because I, I was a because I have only seen it once before rewatching it last night, and I was all set to call bullshit out on the ending. And yet they, they, because there was a loophole, but they found the loophole, and I was very happy about that. <laughs> All right, so that's good. So uh, that's our opinions about the movie. So I guess we can uh, get into a uh, wiki, Eric? Wiki, wiki. Homicide detective John Hobbs witnesses the execution of a serial killer, Edgar Reese. Soon after the execution, the killings start again, and they are very similar to Reese's style. All right. I like that. It uh, doesn't spoil anything, though the trailer does, um, at least from the, back in 1998 when I actually saw the trailer. Um, now, uh, before we begin... Uh, uh, Kevin, uh, if you could uh, go on mute when you're when you're typing. But either way, um, let's get into our uh, let's get into our uh, discussion. And what we do here on Dark Discussions is a couple of things. The first thing we do is is we talk about uh, non-spoiler stuff. So we go into things like uh, maybe 
how this compares to other possession or demon movies, uh, horror, or religious horror, and things like that. Uh, maybe talk about uh, the supporting cast, Denzel Washington, uh, writer, director, and so on. And then at a certain point, we'll throw up our spoiler alert, and at that point, we will talk about everything and anything related to the film. Uh, so we'll talk about stuff that um, would spoil the film, as well as specific scenes and topics and whatnot, trying to decipher maybe what the director, the writer, and uh, the producers are trying to say in the film, because maybe it does have a meaning. Um so, yeah, that's uh, pretty much uh, what we do, uh, and I guess we can get into our non-spoilery part of the podcast. So, uh, where do we want to begin, and who wants to begin? Anybody have anything they wanted to bring up? Well, that was short. Well, um, <laughs> when, you, yes. when, you first, when you first mentioned the, the movie and all that, and then you mentioned, yeah, can, can I, well... I'll, I'll I'll get into it later, but there is a, a let's just say a certain spiritual entity that I did some research on. So when we come to that, I I'll be happy to share a little. Of, I'll share the the little that I found. Harry Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Almost no. All right. So, uh, oh yes, uh, Mike. Um, let me ask you this. I was going to say that this is a film. Well, that, well hold on, Mike. Mike. Uh, all right, so we had to uh, take a, a minor break. And so, uh, Mike, you were saying, go ahead. That I, I do like, um, that really, cast is good. And it's not just the, the big three who are Denzel Washington, John Goodman, uh, and uh, Donald Sutherland. Um, you mentioned there's others. Elias, uh, I can never pronounce his last name. Cortez. Yeah, that guy. He, well, he's Canadian. What do you expect from those people? <laughs> uh, so oh, he was sir. one. Uh, the first person after him? Uh, James Gandolfini. Was, no. Not James Gandolfini. Um, although oh, he was oh I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, what the hell's his name? Uh, Robert Joy. He's also Canadian. Uh, who who was right? I think it was Robert Joy who was in Last House on the Left, not Last yes. House on the Left. Sorry, The Hills uh, Have Eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. Um, the guy who plays the brother. Uh, I I know oh, I've seen him. It may yeah, have been just an episode of Homicide, but he'd been in a bunch of things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there was a lot, and even if you noticed, um, I don't know if you mentioned her name, and I can never remember the actress's name. Ambeth uh, Davids. Davids. The Army of Darkness. <laughs> He's in Army of Darkness. In the movie? Uh, yeah, uh, she plays Greta. No, the one who plays Tiff. Oh, Detective. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she's in everything. Is, yeah, yeah. Aida Tertura. Janice, yeah. who is James Gunn, who is, who is uh, the sister to Tony Soprano and Soprano. So it makes yeah. you wonder if it's yeah. shared a yeah. casting director yes. or, yeah. if that, or if the yeah. casting director caught this film um, and and was inspired to pull those two. From that, because Gandolfini was was nobody when this film came out, relatively speaking. Right, they probably had the same the same agent. And it's just weird watching because he is giving a very Tony Soprano performance. Yeah, with this cheesy porn stash. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He did have that, didn't he? He definitely did. <laughs> that would have really just changed the show if he got to keep the porn stash. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. The cast was pretty solid. It was pretty awesome. There's no doubt about it. Um, I didn't even know any of these people were in the film. And honestly, um, this was before, like you said, James Dan Gal- James Gandolfini was a huge star. It was before um, um, John Goodman uh, was known more than just uh, Roseanne's husband. Um, and then, of course, Donald no, But Sutherland then he had had King Ralph. Is, uh, is, a, is a giant. He had King but, Ralph, I think. Big Lebowski came out that year, didn't it? Or came out around then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, 30 years ago. Uh, yeah, so uh, it already had come out, yeah. yeah. And he'd or done. 20, or, or 25 years ago, something 91 like that. or 92. So he was yeah. getting there. I don't think he, yeah. he hadn't completely broken away from the role. Right. And Elias Coteas, he, he was actually huge at that point, uh, especially for, for indie film and stuff like that. He was he was a big star. Well, not a big star, but he, but he was a, a big part of The Thin Red Line, which also came out that year. Um, he was in um, the oh, – what the hell is it called? Uh, the, the Long Hair After, uh, which I, wa- I watched on, on VHS with my uh, – uh, girlfriend right before Joanna, my wife. Um, he she he was did a lot of stuff with Adam Egoyan because again he was Canadian. They were both Canadians. Um, and so yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do with those people? Um, but either way, um, yeah. So he he was pretty solid back in those days too. It's uh, um, it was it, it it was fun to see all those actors because it's those are the actors and, and people that I I grew up in with you know i mean as all all of us did you know we were all in our 20s uh when they were they were like everywhere those people um so yeah you know, there was, was pretty pretty solid cast what was that kevin you broke up they're all over the place i said what canadians um <laughs> well these actors as well yeah um so there's like a because it's a country with a population of like 30 <laughs> well, it, it's, it, it's basically what it is: is uh, they have tax breaks to have Hollywood move up, go up there, and 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 when they do, you have to hire like eighty percent Canadians for extras, or and and whatnot, and so that that's the reason. Um, well, I mean, why they did X Files up in Canada just because it was uh, less taxes. Yep, everything everything's up in Canada, <clears throat> even still, still to this day. Um, Unless Bulgaria or, or Romania or something uh, can can uh, you know drop it even further. Um, so, uh, what else do we want to discuss uh, about this film? That's generic. That's not spoilery. Uh, um, there is a um, there are a couple of side characters in this movie. Um, Denzel Washington's brother and uh, his son. And the brother's son. The brother's son, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought they were surprisingly well drawn uh, for minor characters, um, and particularly later in the movie, there's a there's a, a scene between Denzel Washington and and the boy, um, and normally those kind of things don't hit with me, but that one was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, I I actually liked it too uh, because they they didn't really tell you anything about them, but their performances and the writing of what they were supposed to be and who they are. Um, and the two actors playing the roles, uh, let us know exactly what they were without having to do exposition. Because right. You don't, you don't, you know, there's nothing, nobody says, Oh, well, his brother's autistic or blah, 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 blah. Uh, right. But you definitely get through the acting that his brother's a little touched 
Um, but just like the sweetest guy you could ever meet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought that was really great that they didn't do an exposition moment to explain any of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was great. That's great. And, um, um, and even though, uh, there was no, uh, ex-wife or girlfriend, uh, whatnot, um, that worked as well because we see a lot of films, including films like the evil dead rise from last year, where you have uh, a woman that, and they never mention the husband or, or, or if there was a father even involved and stuff. So, so this was like the reverse, uh, but it works as well as, as a lot of films that show a single mother with, with no uh, spouse and stuff. Um, it could have easily gotten very tropey and it did not. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that worked really well. Um, I felt the the police officers that, uh, were there, um, they developed them well enough too. There, there was an early scene where Detective Lou played by James Gandolfini, um, is at a bar with, um, uh, Jonesy, which is, uh, John Goodman's character and John Hobbs, which is Denzel Washington's character. And they're having beers and stuff and, and they talk about, uh, police corruption, and you don't know where that's going to go, and you find out it was all hypothetical and not necessarily um, crooked cops, and yet they made us think it was going to be talking about um, the Detective Lou character by Gandolfini as, as crooked, and and it wasn't. It was it was really uh, really cool, and, and they used bears. Uh, I'm trying to say that correctly with my Boston accent. Bears. Um, <laughs> That uh, well, I'll just say uh, alcoholic beverages, uh, based off of uh, how uh, they how corrupt they were, determined what type of beer they would drink. And uh, Budweiser uh, back in those days was was the big beer, and so um, that beat out uh, the microbrews and and the foreign beers. Uh, I think for- even the even the people that played the people that were taken over did a really good job as well. Taken over? What do you mean taken over? Well, that's spoiler. Let's not get there yet. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I would concur. I would concur. But yeah, we'll get into that. Um, I do. I have to agree with Mike. Uh, I was shocked when uh, I put the movie on before uh, work this morning at like I don't know six, um, and to find out that uh, it was two hours and a four minute film and that, and that was kind of shocking uh, especially for this type of of film because the other police procedurals even though this isn't a true police procedural in the sense of the 1990s uh because of the supernatural element uh but other ones such as uh see a love and things of that nature were all around an hour and 30 minutes and and so i, well, I was kind of shocked you know, i noticed while i was watching it that's a, a it's a slow-paced movie and a lot of people take issue uh, with that, but I thought it was actually kind of a nice change of pace to actually have a movie that breathes. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean to imply. I don't either. I didn't. Yeah, I think they could I was just surprised. It. Go on, Mike. But again, I'm saying if I'm sitting here watching at home, it's not the same as being in a theater where I'm. Uh, so maybe it, it felt different because I did read some of the reviews afterwards. And a few of the reviews mentioned the length of the film or the pacing of the film. So that might have been a different issue. It might have pacing may have been an issue for people watching in theaters. Uh, just well, to, and it's also know, personal preference because like, yeah. I like a lot of 70s movies, which were also uh, had a tendency to be luxuriously paced. Um, 
So I, don't I felt know. it had like the pacing of seven almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think it isn't, isn't the, I guess the quote unquote boredom of, of people that would watch a film that's two hours at theaters uh, or this specific type of film. I, I think, it, I think it was just something that reviewers may have poo-pooed because they were expecting a police procedural to be a ninety-minute film, and and. They had a preconception, but you could be right, Mike. It, it could have been the general audiences too. But again, we're looking at the reviews of um, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and not the reviews of uh, regular audiences. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's 26 well, and, years ago. and it's honestly an easy trap to fall into. Uh, it's actually one of the biggest things, like one of the reasons I stopped for watching trailers is because I found that – uh, my own preconceptions of a movie can be the biggest barrier to enjoying it. Um, so I try as hard as I can to go into each movie with no expectations. Well, and I'll say you th- tell you this, Eric. Um, the general audiences, uh, believe it or not, since it's this old film, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has actually fifty thousand plus reviews by just people, mm-hmm. and. Um, they gave it 72%. So that's a big wide range compared to the critics. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's just another example of, of maybe critics um, being wrong because critics a lot of times are wrong. I've <laughs> discovered since I've done podcasts, to be honest. Right? Yeah. Critics are looking for different things. And um, like somebody going to see a movie like Fallen is not looking – for startling originality, they're they're looking for some good thrills. They're looking for uh, some decent, a decent mystery and some action and some engagement. They're not looking to be confronted and challenged and to have the paradigms of their worldviews shattered and reframed. You know, it just um, well, not they're not paying attention to the the use of color and. And camera movement—it's—it's they're looking for things very different than what critics are. Well, and you—you you also have to remember that for a long, long time, um, and and it's still a thing now. Uh, critics often do not give horror movies a fair shake, period. Um, just because they don't—they uh, don't consider them real movies, um, and especially back. In the 90s, when when this came out, uh, over the last 10 years or so, it's be- they've become a little more forgiving. And but they had to invent their new label of elevated horror to justify it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, so critics just tend to be really, really harsh with horror movies. Yeah, and and to be honest, a lot of times I, I go to IMDb to look at the rating too, and and that that one is a little. Weirder to me because it always seems lower. I'm and, full haters. It, but I, I, <laughs> but I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Uh, IMDb um, uh, for Barbie gives it six point nine out of ten, which is pretty pretty solid for an IMDb rating. And Oppenheimer was eight, and that's pretty solid. That's even better. And this film here on IMDb, and you know, I, I was expecting to see like five point two or something. It actually got seven point zero with ninety one thousand reviews so 7.0 out of 10 is on imdb is pretty rock solid that's that's it feels to me like 99 percent of the reviews on imdb are between 6.4 and 6.9 you know it's just like yeah yeah you know it's 
It's really weird. Oh, it's got a 6.4. That must suck. Oh, but a 6.6. Ah, they're liking that one. <laughs> it's just really weird. Yeah, yeah, it's, tr- it's true. Like, I, I looked up Mystic River 7.9, but let's look up Sinister, you know, a pretty solid horror film from a couple of, well, actually now, four, 12 years ago, uh, 6.8. Four years so they can remake it. Yeah, that's right. So 6.8. <laughs> so so it just shows you where this film actually uh, did pretty rock solid by regular people's views, whether whether or not um, they're trolls or not. But that, that, that says, still says something. Um, and, and it makes me wonder why the film – was such a which is such a disappointment, especially when it had one of the biggest actors of that era as the lead, and and whatnot. So it, it's it's just strange. It's it's very strange. Um, let's see. Uh, what well, else? And, and I don't. I would have to go back. I would be really curious to go back and look and see what else had come out in that general period. Like I mentioned, seven. Uh, thin so, blue uh, came out that year. What's that? Thin Blue Rhine and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, but those are not going to have anything to do with The Fallen. So in other words, like you had movies like The Devil's Advocate, which I remember coming out. Um, oh, you mean other horror films, gotcha. Are there related? Yeah. Was this like the latest in a spate of big star religious-themed horror films? Um, because one of the things that happened in the 90s is that the 90s pretty much started with Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. And Silence of the Lambs won Best Actor, Best Director, Best Picture, and so it's and Best Actress. It suddenly became a a respectable genre for about a minute and a half, and everybody was trying to do their uh, thriller, their suspense thriller horror movie, and like you had Julia Roberts doing Sleeping with the Enemy, right, and uh, Michael Keaton did uh, Pacific Heights, and you, know, you would get these movies that were these thrillers and seven kind of falls under that category in a way which um with brad pitt and morgan freeman um and kevin spacey and kevin spacey right and oh, all Parker. of these so so this was the latest in that now scream shifted a little bit because you got that brought in the um the in-joke tongue-in-cheek comedies the meta horror and then that pretty much ended when you got the next year Sixth Sense coming out and Blair Witch coming out in 99 um but yeah this was this was just the latest of big budget relatively big budget celebrity horror films that you got in the 90s and then in specifically a celebrity horror I meant and again I mentioned Devil's Advocate with uh Pacino and uh and Keanu Reeves right so um I don't know. I'm yeah, just wondering yeah. if this was just dismissed as being yet another one of those films. Right. That's uh, a good point because I know uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had one too. That was yeah, a religious uh, horror six film. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not six uh, day. Not six. End not of ten. days. End of days. End of days. Yeah. End of yeah. days. There and was. Then, didn't Angelina Jolie have one too? I think she had one too. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Uh, but anyway. You had Wolf with Jack Nicholson. You had Bram Stoker's Dracula. You had Frankenstein with Robert De Niro and Kenneth Branagh uh, and Helena Bonham. You you had uh, Mary Riley with uh, Julia Roberts, which was. Uh, but Mike, Dr. that's a new movie. Hmm? Oh, oh no, no, it was the one with Patricia. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Angelina Jolie. It was Patricia Arquette. Um, the one. The one. Oh, where, yeah. yeah. 
what the heck was that one called? Uh, uh, can't remember it. Yeah, that, that was. Real Burn was in it. Uh, uh, I'm trying to look it up now. Stigmata. 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 Right. Yeah. Same year. Same year too. It came out the same year. Yeah. yeah Gabriel Burn. Um, right. Yeah. Jonathan Price. Oh, there was another one that was just. It's funny because he was in End of Days too. I think Gabriel Byrne, wasn't he? Was that yeah, one? Uh, yeah. Played the devil in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was another one I just had on the tip of my tongue, and it just oh away. oh oh uh, the one with Demi Moore, uh, where she has the the baby. What the hell is that one called? Seven Sign. Yeah, Seven Sign. Uh, yeah, that, that might have actually predated that because I don't know that Demi Moore was a big actress yet. I'm trying to remember if she had broken yeah. big yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look uh, that one up. I saw that. But one there, but there, there were definitely like. Yeah, there were definitely ones that were like said. Oh, no, that was actually that was 1988. Believe it or not, Hey guys, can we stop listing movies, <laughs> please? Sure, sure. So anyway, so that's but you get the point, right? I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that may have been, you know. So now here in 1998, eight years of films like this, it's very easy to just go, oh, it's one of those, and move, and and that and that may have hurt it. It doesn't mean it's fair. Um, you you can imagine a movie like Scream having come out ten years earlier might not have hit nearly as hard um, if it hadn't had a, a gap between that and the rest of the the slasher films. Um, yeah, you know, so that's just it, it. It just just trying to figure out why it bombed because it did bomb. It was movie cost forty something million dollars, made twenty something million dollars at the box office. You're right. Right. Yeah, it, it's a curiosity. It really is a curiosity. Um, especially based off of the reviews by regular people nowadays, how it, it, it seems like it, it is pretty well liked. Um, what else did. Yeah, go on. Mike. In fairness, I don't remember what opened against it. Like, what else was in theater at that time? Uh, yeah, like, that's fair. Too. Against, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan. Right, right. That, that's, that could be a, a fair point. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, same, same to me. Uh, yeah, it's a specific week in a specific year. Um, yeah, and, and it doesn't say anything about. Um, it came in third at the box office, though, when, when it did come out. Uh, anyhow, uh, anyhow, right. So uh, I, I think we kind of got to get the spoilers because this is not a movie you can talk about without getting into the central. Right. Place. Yeah, that that's a fair point. That's a and fair they point. and they do reveal it to you very early in the film. I I tend to think anything that comes in the first act of a movie, let alone the pre-title sequence, kind of isn't really a spoiler. Um, if you want to be completely unspoiled by a film, you 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 just don't listen right. to the podcast. Ooh, it had oh yeah, it was going to get crushed. It came in third, but number one that year was Titanic. Number two that, was Goodwill. No, no, no. That week, that week, Titanic was number one. Goodwill Hunting was number two. As Good as It Gets was number four. Hard Rain with Demi Moore and Michael Douglas was number five. Uh, the you know the the Crichton one, and and so on. And uh, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies was was eighth. So it, it was a huge box office that week. So yeah, yeah it was it was going to be tough. But it, it, for its opening week, at least it did it did third. So. Yeah, so everybody was having Titanic fever. Yeah, yeah, because that was when Titanic carried over for another year, and it still was, like, huge. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm looking at movies that were just released on that day, and yep. it did the best out of those. So it was just carryover from right. 1997. 
that squash it. Well, actually, Goodwill Hunting I think came out that week too and and beat it by three million. Well, then I'm looking at a bogus list. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So, just uh, Goodwill Hunting because it's filled with Bostonian people. Oh no, I'm, I'm actually looking at uh, Box Office Mojo, um, and it says here Goodwill Hunting came out. Uh, yeah, you're right, Eric. I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. So I, I don't. I actually, I'm not mistaken. Uh, the 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 box office mojo is actually um, it's just blank. They didn't have the information there. So never mind. Yeah, everything's blank except for like four or five films. So never mind. Yeah. So you're right. It, uh, it, yeah, I'm just looking at. I'm looking at strictly a list of things that were re- released on January 16, 1998. Right, and it came in first. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. So there was, there was a lot of box office car- box office carryover from all those Oscar films. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, because all because all those those are huge. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, as good as it gets, a Titanic were all like Oscar big big ones. Uh, it is. Gets was the first film Pam and I saw in theaters. Hmm. How about that? Um, in the last romantic comedy we saw in theaters. <laughs> I, I think uh, with my wife it was. Um, uh, uh, no country for old men. That's my fact. But that's that's not a romantic comedy. <laughs> no, no, no. But but then I think my second film with my wife was was Coraline. I think actually. Ooh. Oh God! <laughs> wow. <laughs> What, what, hey, what, what are you going to do? Anyway, um, no, that was not a romantic comedy. Um, so anyway, um. Let's get into the spoilers. So we'll throw up the spoiler section at this point because we're going to talk about everything and anything. Uh, oh, my God. I still have a flashback. So it's, uh, uh, no Country for Old Men and then Coraline with, with the two old ladies with their boobs hanging out in that film. It's my, and I'm with my early girlfriend. It's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Anyway, uh, so um, let's uh, spoilers up so we can talk about everything and anything. So uh, what do we want to begin? Kevin, anyone? Eric, Mike? Bert, anyone? I guess. Well, we're, like like I yeah. said, in the <clears throat> excuse me, in the you know, in the in the going through. <clears throat> okay, I mean, we have to we have to mention the name Azazel. I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. name in the movie. Um, you know, and Phil mentioned the name while we were talking earlier today, and. So I, I knew the name from a couple sources. One is from the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible, and the other one is from the book of Enoch, which is, well, Coptic Church has it as part of its Bible, but uh, no no one else does. It's kind of one of those apocryphal, excuse me, apocryphal books that um, uh, that people read. That I mean, it was found amongst the first Enoch was found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it was also quoted in quoted and cited in, in the New Testament, so it's not it's not a book to not take seriously. But Azazel was, I mean, in Book of Deuteronomy, it, depending on who the interpretation, but some people called Azazel used Azazel as a scapegoat, but the literal term for Azazel was a fallen angel. And the there's a there's more of a description of him or what he did in the book of Enoch, where he was an angel or maybe a watcher, which is a spiritual being that rebelled 
and uh, it's a whole bunch of things that mentioned in Genesis six, but describe more detailed in Enoch. But long, long story medium, Azazel was one of the the leading fallen spirits, and he trained the people how to make weapons and armor, and also taught witchcraft and taught women how to wear makeup. <laughs> what I'm a not, terrible uh, thing. Well, I think it was more of trying to be seductive. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to be seductive, trying to lure men from, you know, being faithful to their wives, that sort of thing. So it wasn't just, oh, yeah, I taught you how to be. I'm, I know what I could do. I'll, I'll teach women how to wear makeup. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that at all. It was just it was more of a seduct trying to be seductive. Um, and live a rebellious life where, you know, I mean, obviously, and he was essentially trying to teach men how to kill each other, uh, without just rocks and sticks and things like that. You know, he helped them make weapons and armor and try to teach them more. And like I said, also witchcraft and which is <laughs> witchcraft, which, sorry, is. This sounds almost as good as the Silmarillion by Tolkien. The story okay. sounds good. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, it's 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 the Book of Enoch, and then well, I'm not going to go into too much detail because then I'll go way off, and Eric will say, "Can we please get back to the movie?" Which he would be absolutely right to say. <laughs> anyway, Azazel was a nasty, nasty piece of work. Fallen. I don't know if you say it was a fallen angel, fallen watcher. There, there's there are different spiritual creatures in the spiritual realm, uh, I believe, and Azazel was part of it. And one thing, though, is that I have never heard of demons going from possession to possession just by touch. Most of the time, people get possessed either through uh, various drug use or occult uh, actions uh, or just straight up invitation. So it usually it, it's not by touch. Um, that brings up a question I have, Kevin. Like, Go ahead. And, and of everybody. So did the touch idea feel consistent to everyone? I mean, it. it why didn't he just take over Denzel Washington? Was because he wanted to make him suffer the most? Well, yeah, I was confused part, about that, too. Well, in the beginning. And, how, and, and wait, how when he's being executed does he move to someone else? I guess so it doesn't even require touch in some cases. I have an answer for that one, but not the first one. <laughs> and And the cat as well. Because Denzel Washington's pure. And I'm fine with that as being an explanation. I just don't think they explain that. He, but but he why would in his in his little uh, rant in in was it Aramaic? Yeah, yeah. Right. It says something. Those I can't enter by touch, um, which would imply that there are people he cannot enter by touching them. And I'm and I think that's why they they go so far to make sure you understand at the beginning of the film that. He's uncorruptible. Right, the that he does part, it. No, when they talk about the cream, the scene that Phil was talking about with the yeah. corrupt cops and stuff. Yeah. But the, right, so, so, but so, the thing what? is, though, is that at the end, but the thing is, at the end, it does, yeah, well, right. Azazel does go into Denzel Washington. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, if he could have. See, right. that's the part that didn't. No, they explained it. it. They, they explained him? it here. Oh, let, me, let, let me jump in here. Please. Yeah, uh, they do explicitly state that that he cannot enter Denzel Washington by touch. They don't really give a great reasoning behind it. Um, 
they also say that if the body he's in is killed, then um, he has the time of a breath or, I suppose, uh, time to travel within 500 cubits um, to inhabit another body. And when he's in that state of having been uh, expelled from a host body by its death, then he's stronger. And at that point, he could enter Denzel Washington. Okay, that makes okay, sense. So in other words, he entered Denzel Washington after his character died. Right. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Go- okay. Thank you. That that. Yeah, he, he was inhabiting um, Jonesy. Yeah. So and Jonesy's body died, so he was expelled, and um, he had to enter Denzel Washington, even though he'd poisoned himself at that point. Um, I was, was thinking he's not right. quite dead, though, right? But he's weakened. Yeah, he wasn't quite dead yet, so that's why he got the time to scramble as far as he did. Yeah. And then he got expelled out of Denzel Washington's body and found the get. And I'm assuming beasts are easy to take over. It doesn't take anything for them to do that. I have no idea. But they did show it happen earlier in the movie, which is the only reason I didn't call bullshit on that ending, like Mike so, was saying earlier. So, uh, so but, 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 so what, I, I, I'm still confused if you could say it once more to me, Eric. Why could he not get into Denzel earlier, but he could get into him at the end? Because he couldn't get in by touch, just because. Oh. He However, right, right. when but he, he gets expelled from a body, yeah. when he's in the totally incorporeal state, he's stronger and at that point can do it. So why, why didn't he do that when Denzel shot the school teacher? You know, that's a great question. Because yeah. he wants to make Denzel Washington suffer, I think. I, that's the only reasonable explanation. Yeah. He wanted to make Denzel Washington look bad. Well, and... I mean, that's what he did because, I mean, first the guy yeah. had things, and then later on he entered the one woman who said, oh, no, Denzel Washington, you know, he shot first and he shot a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be also that Denzel Washington was so weakened from being poisoned and almost near death, that's why he was able to overpower him in that particular case. I think and his not goal the school is, teacher to, case. Is, to destroy, is to destroy him, to sort of shatter her- a hero, right? Yeah, um, just like he did with the other cop. Yep. Right. You're right, because he is not just about... He's a chaos agent. Count. That's a part of it, but he really wants to annihilate the, you know, humanities and humanity. It's almost as if so. demons aren't very nice. Yeah, almost. <laughs> we know that's not true. They can be adorable. Um, like but yeah, so. so it's, it's there and, and yeah, the, the rules, uh, there was another thing I saw is that somebody complained that it was, the story was convoluted. I, I didn't have a problem following it cause I thought they repeated the rules enough, but I don't um, think it was convoluted at all. I think it's just, it, it raised some questions for me that I wanted to think about more, you know? So, hmm. well, and it's a fine line when you're dealing with a concept like that, um, between explaining too much and not explaining enough, right? And abusing it and not abusing it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, both those things can become issues. I mean, my, my problem was, and it's not, not the movie flow, it's just more of just based on what I've studied, demons just don't enter into somebody just because somebody got touched. Right. 
Yeah, but, but I mean, this is a movie. Yeah, this is yeah, right. this is a movie. So we're not basing it on what. Right. Yeah, it, it's real. It, right. It's it's no, more of a, a vampire thing because because you, you the more interesting aspect of what they said earlier in the film about how uh, um, the demons are fighting within are are part of us now and where they're fighting on on earth with uh with people as the hosts was cool because that's technically true it's like what makes people evil in the real world you know with no supernatural and and but but here it was people doing evil things uh without free will and so what it that was the weak part I felt about it. But again, that's what vampires are too. You know, they, they turn into vampires and, and do evil things, but it's not them, the humans that are doing it. It's, it's some demon or something inside them that makes them do the evil things. Um, so the evil was, it was more, it felt more like uh, it was just corrupting people uh, as hosts rather than corrupting people to do things on their own free will, uh, which I felt would be a little more scary, I think. It's again, kind of those, uh, the guys in the suits in uh, the matrix. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the director, I, I read, I might've been on IMDb kind of got the idea. Um, cause he was thinking how, uh, hate kind of passes, meaning uh, how if you're in a bad mood and you 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 piss on, say the 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 person behind the register at the store, that can put them in a bad mood, and they can go piss on somebody else, and then it just kind of keeps going on and on and on. And he just basically took that concept and and made it more literal as opposed to figurative of of anger and hatred and evil being a uh, being something that can be passed on, and that's how we ended up with the mnemonic thing. He didn't start out attempting to like get into a real dissertation on demonology uh, and and theology. It was just using that, stealing from that to fit his idea. Right. Well, and as far as concepts go, I mean, it's disconcerting, right? <laughs> the fact that this evil ending could just jump between anybody. Um, and that's why I said it was, I appreciated what they were doing with the visual effect um, because they had to find a way to communicate to the audience that, hey, this thing's jumped from this person to that person to that person. Um, so I get why they did it. I just didn't care for that effect personally. Um and I also thought that the song that I sang at the beginning um, was another great way of, of doing that is just having different people take up the song uh, when it was yes. when it's switching bodies. That was pretty cool. Oh, it's awesome. My, my only problem with it is that, in all fairness, one of my least favorite Stone songs. Really? Okay. No kidding. I know it's classic. It's just not one I'm, I'm that fond of. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, that's, I like that song. But fair enough. Fair enough. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It was their actually, I think, their first big hit too. Um, but hey, James Gandolfini said, "I don't like the '60s." So there you go. <laughs> no, I, I like a lot of the Stones. It's just not one of my favorites. It's yeah, funny because I mean, at one point when John Goodman was doing the song, I mean, he sticks his lips out like he's Mick Jagger. I love that. Yeah, and he's it was kind awesome. of doing the Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger is just awesome. and all that, you know. Yeah, I've never seen John Goodman be bad in anything. 
That is true. Yeah. He's been in bad things, but he hasn't been bad. Exactly. No, so, like, I don't know how I ended up watching King Ralph. I think it was probably over at uh, my mother-in-law's house for a holiday, and, like, grandkids were there. Um, and you know what? It's 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 not a good movie, but it's a kid's movie, so... And, and as a kid's movie, it was fine. And he was a very good King Ralph because that's what he had to be. You know, mm-hmm. that's that that what that's that was what was expected of him. You know, he's great in uh, Big Lebowski. You know, he was great in Barton Fink. He was fantastic in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, you know, he, he and, and you mentioned Roseanne. He was brilliant in Roseanne. Mm-hmm. This is true. Well, he's had a resurgence, like uh. Seeing him in Ten Cloverfield Lane was a treat. Oh yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah. Oh, and what was that Kevin Smith film too? He was really good in that too. When he played the ATF. Oh, uh, Red, Red State. State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it was great. <laughs> <right there>. <laughs> <laughs> Total incompetent idiots. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome, Phil. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So he, he's always been good. Yeah, he, he's been so. Oh my God! And that modern Scorsese film uh, with Nicolas Cage, uh, where he plays one of the um, ambulance drivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was awesome at that too. Yeah, yeah he's great. He's the best. And that was a Paul Schrader film, by the way. He wrote that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, back to this film here. Um, more specific. Um, so. Yeah, that, the film try, does set us up to understand that uh, this guy is in, uncorruptible. Uh, Denzel Washington's character, Hobbs, he, he's not a bad cop or anything like that. Um, the whole setup at the beginning was pretty awesome. Um, uh, Elias Codius, uh, he was he was just phenomenal. He's always great. Oh, I never this scene. Yeah, that's awesome. I, he's just yeah. Being, yeah. I never understood why he never became a big star, but but he he, he was dominant in that that role um, and whatnot. And um, uh, yeah, he played the psychopath uh, pretty pretty across the V, uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I could watch the beginning of that over and over again because he just does such a great job. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, um, what do you guys think of uh, um, the? I guess the the puzzles. I thought those they were pretty interesting. Um, oh, I even like, like uh, why is there a blank between? Yeah, lions? Lions. yeah, yeah. I thought that was neat. No, that was a, that was some good uh, the mystery work there. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome, and I loved how how they figured it out because uh, Gandolfini goes, "Oh yeah, I know that guy. He's a cop," and they go, "What? How to say that again?" <laughs> the real <laughs> bastard. Yeah. The, the the one the one thing I, I feel this film could have been better is if they had brought, uh, meaning um, Denzel Washington's character brought other cops into the the detective work. Um, because it really was just him working alone. And, well, you know. yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Donald, Donald Sutherland was really pressing him hard to try and let him in as to what was up. Um, but at the same time, it's like, are you really going to come out with, hey, I think it's this demon that's hopping from body to body? You, you sound like yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. At the same time, though, Donald Sutherland early in the early in the movie when when he mentioned the one guy's name the the cop 
the cops who got his, uh, the you know, owned the cabin, got his name, you know, crossed, you know, taken off. Right. Bird. You know, it's one of those like down there. Someone says, I don't want to know. I don't want, you know, I don't want you to know. I don't want you to, to, to tell anybody. I don't. So it's almost like one minute he says, okay, I want to know what you're doing. But the next minute he says, I don't want to know what you're doing. So it's just, it, I kind of found that I, it just seemed that way with, with me until, you know, later in the movie. But then, you know, but Denzel Washington, I mean, smartly says that he pretty much thinking to himself, yeah, I'm going to tell my boss that there's a, you know, millennial, you know, few millennial old unclean spirit demon possessing <laughs> possessing people and making them kill people. Yeah, he's going to tell me to take a few months off. Right. Well, that, you know what's funny? Doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> the, 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 the worst line of the film was when uh, he's talking, uh, Hobbs, uh, Washington's character, is talking to Greta Milano, Embeth Davids' character, and he goes, Yeah, you're alone. Uh, because of this, right? And she goes, "Yeah, I'm alone because I didn't want to uh, have have any family members get hurt." And and I, I was I almost laughed when she said that line because I was expecting her to say, "Yeah, I'm alone because I didn't want to tell people that that I believe in demons and that they're going to kill us all." Because <laughs> because it's it's like crazy. So yeah, obviously you're right, Washington character john hobbs isn't going to go around telling his boss or his partner or his friends at the force like like uh detective lou played by james gandolfini that i believe there's a supernatural uh thing going on here so that's well, one, one thing she also mentioned though was that she says there is a group of them like dedicated to fighting demons and i'm thinking then why don't you call them well well <laughs> that's she, a great point well, she said she made it sound like they're out there, but she doesn't know who they are. Maybe it's like in some, you know, this is the early stages of the, the World Wide Web. Uh, so maybe it's on some bulletin board, but everybody is anonymous or something. But you're right. You would She's think, also very scared. Right. But you think <laughs> this thing can go to anybody and but, be but, anything. But. But but you think Washington's character would have said something? All right, you, since you know all these people, or at least know of them, you know, tell me where I can I can at least talk to talk to them, whether it's anonymous or not. And and he doesn't do that. And I thought it was a little odd. Well, once once he knew the demon was real, he I, I was surprised he didn't he didn't try to follow suit. Uh, it was almost like a Chekhov's gun for this group of demon fighters, and then they never followed through with it. And it was kind of weird, I felt. Well, I mean, Denzel Washington also didn't go to, you know, a priest or something. You half expect, says, all right, I'm fighting it. Because, I mean, usually when you see <laughs> in movies, like other movies <laughs> or even stories, it's like, oh, okay, something demonic is going on here. First thing they do, they call right. a priest. Well, every every single time. Mike just mentioned the nun. I found that scene to be very, very funny when he's just on the train. I was like, yes. sister, does this mean anything to you? Oh, uh, yeah, Re- Revelation. Oh, Revelation. Okay, thanks. And that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's the whole conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Well, you, you know, I am kind of glad he, he didn't go to a police officer. I mean, not a police officer, a, a clergyman. Because Agreed. Most clergymen would have looked at him and think he's just nuts, you know, similar to Father Damien in, in The Exorcist. It was only after he got dragged in as a favor to 
a famous actress in that movie, he, he finds out that, okay, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe if they had set up that he was religious at the beginning and he was buddies with a, uh, a priest at, at the local church that he went to, they could have got that all in. But I'm glad they made it just another some... exorcism type film if they did that. So I'm glad they didn't for that reason alone. Well, they, I, they didn't, they could uh, rewind start over. They didn't have to. I mean, what I'm saying is, let's just say, you know, Denzel Washington uh, Hobbs goes to a priest, tells them what's been going on. And maybe the priest is like, say, you're nuts. Well, either they could. He could have gone, oh, you're nuts. Or it, or um, I'm thinking of um, uh, Father Callahan from Salem's Lot, where when he hears about vampires, he almost gets excited. Because, I mean, to him, I mean, for him, it was all right. It's not just saying mass and saying a sermon. It's actually getting my hands dirty and getting into a fight with a demon, you know, with a dark, you know, with a darkness where you might, you know, you might get a of course. then you, you know, get some Protestant preachers who are like so gung ho. They'd be. Uh, yeah, that that would have been. I'm so just funny. not sure he actually is buying it at that point until his brother is killed and he's on the run and he has to figure something out to do. I, I just don't know. And I don't think he's very religious. So well, he's not, not everybody is going to go to a priest or think about going to a priest. Well, a lot of well, – I don't know. I mean – Well, he's uh, definitely not religious because when she was talking about religion, remember, he, he, he goes, what the hell is he talking about? This is right. Because well, I go to church, you know, every, you know, every now and then. So I mean, I mean that that was his answer. You know, I go to church every now and then, but no. Let's I mean, say you were molested in the Catholic Church. Would you go to a Catholic priest? No, no, no. But you could right, go right, to right, right. But you could have minister, I mean, right, right, right. But, and, I mean, you could, but they weren't going to have that as as part of his backstory. I'm not that. saying it is. I'm just giving an example. Not everybody's going to go to a priest. Yeah, I, I, right. Well, I just say clergyman. It doesn't matter. But yeah, clergyman. Yeah. I mean, they I, might I, think that they can solve anything, and I think that he's the the. You know, the one with the skills, and he thinks he can solve any crime. So right. that's part of it as well. Right. But but once well, once the demon appears, then I, I think things would change a little bit. But Well, it takes a while to be convinced because let's let's face it. If you're if you're not a religious person and you're you're working as a cop and you, you see, quote unquote, evil every day. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you see all these horrible things that people do to each other because you're trying to solve the crimes. Um, so it takes him a while to get there to accept that maybe that there is some sort of supernatural something going on here. And it's only when the evidence of that becomes overwhelming yes. that he's like, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. Yeah, it was the scene where um, all the cops began singing the song and then yes. he called the people outside. <laughs> and that's the moment that he knew, OK, this is this is supernatural. And at that point. Whether he believes or not, whether he's worried people think he's a kook or not, at least he went to um, Milano, the, the the girl, the woman. But but I, I would I could have thought that the two of them would have gone to some. She had to have known some clergy person, right? You would think she would. She, well, I don't know. You would think so, yeah. But by the rules well, of this would, movie, would even the clergy be defended against it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, the thing is, only if they're pure, <laughs> there's one point where she's in church praying, you know, and Denzel Washington meets up with her. So it's so she is obviously a religious person, you know, and um, 
you know, it's, it, she's obviously a religious person. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, if she's a religious person, she should at least know some clergy or some fellow, you know, uh, Christian or faithful, you know, churchgoer that would, you know, uh, be at least sympathetic to, or be willing to be open-minded enough to think, all right, well, maybe, you know, she's smart. Maybe she actually knows something, but I mean, she might not be a churchgoer. She could just be like, that's a safe place from a demon. <laughs> but that's well, no, all her research. Oh, so, I mean, she was praying. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I would too at that point. The thing is, I mean, <laughs> she was saying, do you believe in God? And she was, I mean, she was talking like someone who truly believed in God. So it's, I think she was a religious, I think she is a religious person. It's just, you know, it's, but uh, maybe she just kind of felt alone because maybe even though she's a religious person, she just doesn't feel like there are many others that she feels like she can trust or feels that that would, uh, you know, understand or believe her. Because even in the religious thing, it's like if I go, it's like, you know, a friend of mine, I think he's possessed by a demon. They'd be like, right. You know, I mean, there, <laughs> there's there's a few. I mean, there are many of us that are willing to entertain the fact that demon possession still happens. Well, others are still a lot more, you know, West, uh, I don't know if you feel westernized or whatever, but it just gets to the point where. Yeah, you know, there are angels and demons, but, you know, I, I really don't think they really have anything to do with what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, they just, they 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 don't see the spiritual realm as active as it is. And, but, you know. And then there's some that don't see a spiritual realm at all. Well, I mean, religious people. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm talking <laughs> religious people, you know. I mean, yes, there are many who don't see a spiritual realm at all. I get that. It's just But the thing is is that this woman, the this doctor, you know, in theology, I mean, she it sounds like she does believe, well, she does believe in a spiritual realm and she does believe in God. And so my whole thing is is that I was ho- I would hope that she would know a couple people that could be supportive or agree with her or something but but at the same time I mean, when Garrett mentioned it it's just it can, I mean with this story it probably works better if they didn't involve a priest I mean I have to I'll, I'll agree with Garrett on that one I think he's right I'm well right. yeah yeah it, it would it would it would uh, as you said possibly Barrett it's it would just become another exorcist type film right right yeah, run, we of don't, the, run of the uh, mill. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like exorcist films, but I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I like them too. I'm just saying but, there, there's so many of them. Yeah, like but it's, not what they're, it's not the story they're trying to tell, right? And, and, yeah, yeah, that's and, what and I'll, I'll, I'll also, I will also argue that religious figures in real life and religious figures in movies are not always quite the same thing. Very um, true. The the average American, I, I, coming from a, a, a Roman Catholic background, um, who, who, as we all know, get all the best exorcism movies, um, the average yeah. Roman Catholic priest, if you run yeah. to them and say, there's this demon running around possessing people, is probably not really buying it. It's going to look more for mental health before <laughs> looking for uh, spiritual solutions. Um, he very well may have 
connections in the church, but I, I don't in church. I don't think that it's that it's necessarily. Uh, I think it's fair to say that a lot of uh, organized religions aren't all they're cracked up to be all the time. Well, and not to let's not get into a religious debate, but I think in this movie, um, if he hadn't ran into, uh, if he hadn't tracked down, uh, what's her face, Greta, um, I think it would have been a whole different tune because uh, he was doubting his own mental well-being. Uh, until he ran into this woman who was like, "Yeah, that's the thing. You're you're not going crazy. It's a demon." <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, is that I it makes me wonder what would have happened if he never met Greta. Would he have figured this out on his own, or would he have just? I mean, would he have just flipped out and said, "All right, that's it. I quit." I got to know what the hell he's, he's been doing because he'd never heard of an apocalypse before. I know. Yeah, that's kind of made me, well, you hit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Like, even before I was a Christian, I knew what the, everybody knew. I knew <laughs> yeah. that, the you know, apocalypse, you know. No, apocalypse no, now. A lot of a little heavy music, too, but, I mean, that was... And if you're Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you have to know what the plural of apocalypse is. Apocalypse. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's not it's not exactly an esoteric term. It wasn't certainly wasn't one in 1998. So it felt really weird. Yeah, as, like let's use some exposition here. <laughs> um, for that, yeah, no. paste uh, it in there. <laughs> yeah, especially when they avoided exposition earlier, like you know for. The family moment. So you're right. It was a little. And, and, and why? Why is the uh, the demons already just like writing random letters on people's chests? Why is he making this so like? If he wants them to read the passage in Revelation, why not just spell out Revelation instead of Apocalypse? It's not that many different letters. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he was saving space or something. Uh, I love that. <laughs> just, the, the, the demon was just having fun. I guess. <laughs> just that, that whole sequence of talking to Bud to get apocalypse to revelation. I was just like, what? All right, whatever. I, I, I don't. I don't think you you, you appreciate uh, the degree to which demons are, uh, are obsessed with synonyms. Uh, perhaps I don't. <laughs> I do not claim to be an expert on demons. That is according to the book of Webster. <laughs> Actually, it should be the book of Roger, shouldn't it? Oh, boy. <laughs> I want to say I really liked how they ended with Sympathy for the Devil. I thought that was appropriate. That was a good choice, yes. Well, it's funny because I thought, well, and I haven't seen it once before. I was like, well, at least they didn't. Use you know they they use times on my side and not sympathy for the devil and then of course they end with sympathy for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was especially cool because he's the one telling the story. The devil's the one telling the story. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. Other than that twist, I wasn't a big fan of the narration. Uh, it was there, just enough to be there. Like it wasn't. I didn't. I often found it like. Gee, this is a quiet scene. Let's have some voiceover narration here to keep the audience interested in, 
and it, <laughs> it didn't it didn't often work for me. I don't think it added anything to the story. I think you could have kept the opening monologue, the closing dialogue, and and kind of gotten rid of a lot of it in the middle. Um, I, I found it it wasn't like fun and colorful that you would have gotten in an old film noir movie like a Sam Spade kind of thing. Um, I, I don't think it provided us any real insight that you couldn't have gotten just by paying attention to the movie. Uh, maybe that's me. I, I just didn't find the, the narration all that effective. Yeah, I often don't find narration to be the best method to use, but that's a personal preference. Yeah, well, and you know that that, that was the error that a lot of narration back then, and and it, and it kind of felt interesting, um, especially when I thought it was like you know what it kind of reminded me. It kind of reminded me of uh, Matt Damon's character in Rainmaker and his narration in that film, and and yeah, yeah, uh, but. But that was a different type of film, I guess. You know, so so I get, and he doesn't die at the end, so maybe <laughs> it, it makes more sense. But but I, I I can see where you're getting at, Mike. Especially since he he croaks at the end. It's like how how can he do the narration if he's if he croaks? Uh, but you know, I know the that. first time no, I saw it, that's they, exactly they like what I was the thinking. They 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 do the narration the way they do, and they trick you into thinking that it's Dendel Washington and it's actually his Hazel. Um. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, the first time. Uh, I mean, it was the that old film from years ago, uh, Sunset Boulevard, was the first time I ever saw a film where where a dead person is, is doing a narration. Uh, so it's been done, you know, for decades and decades and decades in, in films. Uh, yes. But this one, yeah, I, I was I wasn't expecting it, but I also didn't think didn't even think of the the. The demon part, you know, that it was actually the demon, and so that was kind of, that's kind of interesting, actually. Um, so yeah, um, what do you guys think of uh, the, the ending as a whole? How how negative it is, where two good cops get killed, and 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 three, if you want to count Denzel Washington, so the, so the hero dies, and, and it's a sad. It's a I bad love you, unhappy ending. Guys, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of I unhappy endings. The, the grimmer, the better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually thought it was weird how well the, the son took the father's death. It was a little weird, yeah. Um, well, it's almost like he, yeah. it, is he? he wasn't too fond of I mean, at one point he called his own dad a spaz. You know, I I just he's still his dad. I know, I know. And, and, and they played games together and stuff, so it wasn't like he was a. They hated each other, so it was just weird. I, I concur, Mike. That was that was that was weird. Maybe he was just in some sort of shock or something. Well, and there's also the fact that at one point, um, at least I, I was led to the belief that the the son was possessed by Azazel for a moment, yeah, uh, was, long enough to punch his father. Right. Yeah. Um, so maybe like, I don't know if people, I, I, apparently people who get possessed by it say, well, don't remember, no. I don't know, but maybe, no, maybe the son had to. a sense that something weird was going on before the actual death. Yeah. Says, I'm going to go to sleep and when I wake up, it's all going to be so much worse than it was now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh no, poor kid. Um, I feel I did feel bad for the kid. Um, I mean he's still a kid, so fuck him. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loses. I mean, so I guess he's so. I mean, 
what is he going to be stuck with Greta now? Does it like is he going to go to, to the their their grandma or an aunt or? Right, I, I was confused about that. It's like like he has no family now. It's like well, what's going to happen to the kid? Yeah, and I, 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 and I, you know, Greta ain't going to be able to keep him. Uh, I, I doubt that would would be the case. I mean, well, it's possible. Maybe but... he'll a demon hunter. Ooh, we could do Fallen Two about the son. Twenty four years later, Denzel Washington's son could play him. He's living a sad and lonely life. <laughs> hey, there you go. The modern reboot. Beth Davis is still around. She could play that role. <laughs> and and Azazel's still out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was watching this, and my first thought, like I understood, I got what he was doing. All right, I'm going to draw him in the middle of nowhere, and. Get him to ahead of me and kill myself. I'm going to kill myself, get him coming. And I'm like, well, then he he sees Azazel go to kill himself, and he stops him from killing himself. And I was like, huh? That's what you wanted. And he's like, no, no, no. I didn't want to happen too fast. And he shoots him in the in the gut and to leave him to die. And, I'm, and it's like, ah, now I've got you. And I'm like, what? Uh, now would be, like, remember, you can only go, like, whatever it is. A hundred yards or whatever it is that he can he can travel. Right, just no, fucking no. book it. <laughs> yeah, get in the fucking car, or or don't shoot him in the head and let yourself die first. Then he'll die by the wound. Head in the car. Yeah, head in the car. You didn't have to poison yourself, dumbass. You could have got in the car and let him bled out. Now, that said, I also thought we'd seen him possess a cat already. Yep. I live in upstate, and, and we and we knew the cat was there because, as as Kevin mentioned to me offline, um, th- there was the Chekhov's cat when he first went to the cabin. It ran under the house. Mm-hmm. So yep. No, it was there. It, but Bill, you live in a rural area. There's animals all over the fucking everywhere. All over the place, absolutely. Bunny there's rabbits. Bird, there's birds. mice. There's bulls. There's there's crows. Here, there's squirrels and chipmunks. They had to get him to a place. The thing is, the thing is, though, that that the audience knows that he can possess animals because he jumps into a cat briefly earlier in the movie. But Denzel Washington does not know. No, 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 and that's and that's that's why I'm fine with that. Right? Is that he doesn't know it? Right. But I knew it, and I was for a moment pissed because I'm thinking that they screwed up and they've forgotten. Because I because I had again, I'd only it's been twenty years since I saw the movie. I thought. But that, that possession, that possession of the cat earlier, was a Chekhov's cat too, right? Yeah, for some weird reason, and again, memory plays tricks on you. Um, I had thought the movie ended with like John Goodman walking away at the end, possessed, and obviously he does. Uh, I had forgotten the ending as well. So I, I got the idea, like that there, that that he, the demon had survived that. Um, and I couldn't remember if he had died or if he had thought he had victory and apparently both. Uh, and then you see him walking away in, in John Goodman's body and, and it's like, but no, I must be confusing that with some other possession film or something, or just mesh scenes together in, 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 in my memory that didn't actually happen. Uh, I hate that. but so I was surprised pleasantly by the ending, uh, also confused because I was like, this isn't, this is like the alternate universe version of the movie. This isn't the one I remember watching. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was thinking, oh man, you, you had him in a cat. 
Don't tell me he can possess cats, but he can't possess chipmunks. Um, <laughs> and, and then they have the cat come out of nowhere. I'm like, bingo. Um, that that's it. Okay. I, and I, like I said, I had mentioned that at the beginning. It's like I thought they were going to fuck up the ending, uh, but nope they they did it and they were honest with it because there was no way for Denzel Washington to know that there are possessed kitty cats running around. <laughs> Now you know why they just climb up on shelves and knock shit over. They're possessed by demons. <laughs> you know, it all makes sense now. Weirdly enough, it makes so much more sense now. But <laughs> I, honestly, though, why, why, I, I would have um, possessed a crow or something because then you could fly back to the city and do it all over. Well, and, and the, the, the thing, though, is because I it was the close. Rules, the rules aren't clear. Can it be anything? Does it have to be a mammal? Uh, does it have to be a mammal of a certain size? They don't give us those rules. So no. yeah, and, and I'm gonna guess that right. This is a an immortal being on the verge of dying. There's probably some level of panic that sets in, and like, just let me get to the closest rescue boat. It doesn't have to be like a luxury liner. You know, I'm just gonna grab the first thing I can. Right. Well, and somebody's gonna touch a cat. <laughs> Whereas a crow, maybe not. <laughs> it might be faster to get back, but <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, it could it could intentionally let itself get hit by a car and then it, it'll float to a person after that. That's true. He's got a lot of options in his in his world. <laughs> and that's that's really my only big issue with the movie is that Azazel seems a little overpowered. Um, being able well, to switch bodies instantly is a little uh yeah um, that whole scene where they yeah. every single person is touching each other when they're chasing her it sounds mm-hmm. so dirty when you say it <laughs> <laughs> my wife says that too <laughs> no i was just going to say i thought that was that was uh an awesome sequence in the film it was it really built up suspense and um like i was thinking the uh, horror countdown podcast recently did an episode on like what are your most disturbing films um and one of the ones i was thinking of was the uh 1978 version of invasion of the body snatchers because there's a film Mm -hmm. yes yes you just can't get away right you you, you're gonna fall asleep at some point Your, your doom is inevitable um and that's kind of the same feeling i got watching this it is really a no-win scenario. Um, because, and you see why. Like, once he figures out who you are and he finds you, you know, he can destroy your family, right? Kill, you know, the you know he could have had the, the, the son or the brother commit suicide, kill each other, go rape the girl next door, any number of things he could have done to ruin their lives just to get to him. Uh, and they would be innocent. Um, you would be kind of, it's it just it's sort of like um, Bill. You watched Jessica Jones, right? Remember the uh, the Purple Man, uh, the uh, Kill Raven, you know, who would just say something and somebody had to do what he said. Right, right. That power that he and, and that's why he was such a great villain, right? Because it just 
became such a twisted and demented power. And the same kind of thing here. Just, just, just. There's no way to to deal with this properly. Um, I, I, I have no idea. Like, what the? Like, if you were in his position, I don't know what I would do. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, the solution is to go out in the woods and and commit suicide and hope that works. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I still don't. How did they find out he was out in the woods? Because I don't think he ever. Oh yeah, he did mention it once to yeah. uh, to Sutherland's character. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. There's there's not much he can do. Not, not much he can do at all. And even, I mean, maybe it could go into a, a germ. So or something. You know, I don't know. But but my point is, is that I don't think he had a solution. He was doomed. Yeah, and and it didn't even matter by then anyway because he, he was going to jail. Well, right. I was gonna say even if he he hadn't been, you know, at the end he may, he says he drops a line that indicates that he figures out he was put here to take out this demon, um, which clearly is true because he failed. Um, but uh, <laughs> even if he hadn't like been dedicated to that cause, his life was completely screwed at that point. Yeah, yeah. They already had him. We're already looking at him for those fingerprints, and then once he he shot the school teacher, um, he, he he was doomed. Well, and then and his I, brother, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, yeah. So he, he put his hands right on the needle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to be blamed for his brother's death too. So, so he he was like Milano, the guy that died in the, the early sixties mm-hmm. or whatever it was, the other cop uh, that owned that that property. Um, so yeah, he it, because you remember what that what. Uh, Greta said to him, he goes, my dad uh, told me that, you know, th- there's no way I'm going to get out of these charges. And then he went up to the cabin and it, he killed himself. So, um, yeah, for some reason, Milano, just like Hobbes, was never fully possessed. It was more the demon wanted to destroy them as, as people. Mm-hmm. Went through the same. Now he likes tarnishing the heroes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because that's how you destroy faith in humanity. Um, yes. Well, that is absolutely right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, tear down those who are uh, the true good, not celluloid heroes, heroes, but, but like the true good. If, if you know, we found out that Mother Teresa was, you know, had murdered three people before she became a pre. Uh, a nun, you know, they, they, everybody would look at her completely different. Um, became a nun, no. What's that again? Not before she became a nun, no. That After, on the other hand. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, let's see. Uh, what else did we want to talk about on this film? Anybody have uh, any other things that they had written down that they wanted to bring up? No, I'm I'm good. I'm just, you know... I kind of, you know, all this talk about remakes and, and whatever. Um, I, I, I would kind of like to see something like that, but just because it was such a bomb, I don't think it'll ever happen. Right, right. That, I think I think so many things have gotten rebooted. I could very easily see someone going to like AMC or something and saying, "Hey, you want to do a fallen TV series?" Right, it'll be a reboot. It won't be a remake. It'll be like that. It'll be like the requel, which is which is all the rage now. 
where we'll just continue it with the son tracking down the demon. Mm-hmm. Do it as like a as a ten part miniseries, and then if that does well, we'll do a a second part, and we can do it with other demons. Um, I, I could see something like that happening. I'm not saying it will, because there's so many other properties that are more valuable. But this does have a cult following. Uh, you know, does when it? you get to the point. It, it apparently does. I mean, I, it's, okay. I saw somebody today say that uh, Gladiator had a cult following. It's like a movie that well, was that's a box an Oscar-winning up. movie. That's not a cult following. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 it's an Oscar-winning <laughs> well, movie well, that was a which huge film? success at the box office. Which one? It's, that's, it's well, like the Blade Runner would like to have a word with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, and it, it, it certainly is. The fact that this was a Patreon request um, means it's a movie that has had some endurance and some interest. The fact that when we got this Patreon request, we didn't all go, uh, you know. No, um, I'm actually glad I uh, I had a reason to revisit this movie because I probably wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. No, it's fine. Right. I, I don't know. If I was going to list the 10 best horror movies of the 90s, I don't think this would make it on my top 10 list. Right. I don't know for sure that it wouldn't. I will definitely say it's one I would put into consideration. Um, but I also, if someone said it was their favorite or top five film horror films of the 90s, I would not look at them askance and go... Scarcity. Yeah, I would not look at it. Very good, Phil. (laughs) That's where that came from. Exactly what was going through my mind. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and I would concur. I mean, uh, and and it had big stars and stuff. I mean, you know, like uh, other other films that aren't necessarily remembered that much because they're just small films that weren't really trying to make a message but were popular and they had big stars. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Sea of Love as an example of that, or, or you mentioned Pacific Heights, Mike. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Fallen's a good movie. It's just not a great movie. And there are, if you're, like, looking for movies to recommend to people, there's so many movies ahead of it on the list. Yeah, sure, But sure. what makes this accessible is the fact that it's not an overt horror film. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not overly gruesome. It's it's not uh where uh, when evil lurks <laughs> um it and so it's a, so it's a horror and it's got Denzel Washington and John Goodman and Donald Sutherland who i was pretty sure was old when i first saw this but doesn't look nearly as old as he used to in this movie yeah. <laughs> he he's a guy that is the same age since the day I saw him in Animal. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, he definitely looks older now. Uh, sure. But but this is a this is a movie you could sell on a on a normie, I think, pretty easily, and they you can trick them into watching a horror movie without realizing they watched a horror movie. Right. It's a suspense thriller. <laughs> um. And uh, and so for that reason, it's certainly going to have its place. It's certainly the kind of thing you could use to ease someone in who's like you know a horror noob coming in and was just curious what what it's like, and you know before you just spring. Uh, well, and if you're trying to rope in a normie, it's important to, to ease them in 
Because if yeah. you just like, if you're like, oh, you're curious about horror? Here's what <laughs> evil alert. Let's watch Hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be scarred for life and never talk to you again. So yeah, you got to, you got to. Have you ever been scared no. of a telephone pole? <laughs> <laughs> You got it. It's like the it's like the frog in the in the pot of water, right? If you just slowly raise the temperature, it doesn't realize yep. it's getting cooked. Yep. And, and then next thing you know, they're they're watching human centipede. So. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think this 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 works. This is definitely a a bridge film, right? One that 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 I think can tie together all the horror fans and the the the, the horror skepticals, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of people, I like, I, I get that a lot with because uh, I usually have lunch with much of the English department just by my schedule, and they're all middle aged women who just they can't watch a horror movie. You know, oh, like, such a horrible thing. My God, no! One of them watched the menu last year. Was just ah. like, oh God, it was so. Horrible. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> lady, you, you you've seen nothing. You've, seen nothing. <laughs> you've definitely seen nothing. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> if you thought that was horrible, check out Cannibal Holocaust. Actually, if you yeah. want to see something, if you want to see something horrible, see Skin of a Rink. <laughs> now that's real. No, that'll just put them. I want them to like horror, not be <laughs> appalled by it. <laughs> I know that they actually would say yeah, Cannibal Holocaust was pretty, pretty damn scary. But Skin of a Rink, I'm never watching a horror film again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Jesus. Uh, uh, anything else, uh, Kevin? What, oh. like the criticism of the movie Daybreakers where uh, someone wrote in the review, this is ridiculous. It's like everybody explodes like they have 40 gallons of blood in their body. And I'm like, uh-huh, know. and? <laughs> yeah, right, that's exactly. cool. That's awesome. I want to see that. That's awesome. Seen, uh, oh, what's the name of those movies? The Little Cub movies. I can't think of them. They're the Japanese. <laughs> Bone Wolf and, yeah, Cub, whatever. Yeah, those are like people like spouting out of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't that based based off an anime too? I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I think, think that's why. So. They, that's why I think they were over the top. Yeah, yeah. That's cool stuff. Uh, Kevin, what about yourself? Anything else uh, since you're the guest host tonight? Um, religious horror. Did, did you have anything else on this film that you wanted to bring up? No. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, anybody else? Anyone else want to say anything? Or are we good? Anyone? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Very good. All right. So I think uh, we can uh, call the the review part of this episode done. So uh, let's talk about uh, some news or what we've been watching. Uh, And we'll start with our guest uh, host tonight, uh, Kevin Lutz. Do you have anything you wanted to bring up? Books, video games, uh, thrillers, TV, movies, uh, news about horror or, or stuff, anything? I've been watching the One Piece anime. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to be way ahead of the the live action season two, but um, other than that, I've just been reading and listening to lectures on spiritual realm from a biblical point of view, but that's different story altogether. So yeah, I'm good. Now uh, with with the One Piece uh, uh, anime series, uh, have you got the Bo Hancock yet? Nope. No, okay. Just curious. What, what season you're on? Uh, nine. Okay, I think she's twelve. Yeah, something like yeah, that. 
it's just it's it the thing is is that with with one piece it reminds me a little bit of uh the old penny dreadfuls where it's kind of why use one word when 10 will do nicely it's the the problem is is that they drag the stories out even though it's like 25 minutes each it's with the the live action they took the stories from like at least one or two seasons in the anime but they they shortened them and they 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 trimmed them out and they they still had the story flow very well where in the anime yeah they're they're still good stories but sometimes they kind of drag on a bit it's like they'll have like entire episodes of nothing but fighting and it's just like can we just get on with this please can we see how he defeats them at the end and just okay we've had you know at least 20 minutes of nothing but fighting. All right. <laughs> and tune in next week. Well, we'll see 20, you know, 15 more minutes of fighting. It's just like, that's you know, a lot of kicking and punching. It's a lot of kicking and punching. <laughs> yes. You know, and I, and it's, it's just, this isn't quick. All right. I mean, that's, and even John wick, it's like, it was, you know, hour and a half to two hours. And then that was it. Uh, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying one piece. It's just, an improvement would be to just turn it up a bit some of the fat. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Uh, All right. So uh, let's go for you, Eric. What do you got? Um, Let's see. I watched a movie called two witches, uh, which I actually heard about from Mr. Watson on a couple of his podcasts. Um, Yeah, this is, this is a, this is an interesting one. Uh, I'm not sure I understood the ending. Um, but I enjoyed it and it has a, a very memorable villain. Uh, it's one of my favorite villains I've seen in a while. So I, I'd recommend checking out two witches. Well, where do you get to see that one? I'd rented it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It's from 19, uh, 2021. It says, uh, mm-hmm. oh, it's a foreign language film too, right? It's Lithuanian or something. Mm-hmm. No, they were speaking English. It may, may have oh. been made there, but they were speaking English. Oh right, right. Is it the guy, the the person's name is Pierre Sigardis that that wrote it, and that's Lithuanian name, so uh, or directed it, I should say. But uh, okay, fair enough. It takes place in uh, Massachusetts, it says. Oh, okay. You're the Salem. only one that cares about that, Phil. Well, Salem, uh, Salem is pretty cool, right? Right. And then the other thing I've been watching is I uh, I had people recommend the Fargo television series to me. Over and over again over the last few years. Uh, so I finally got to checking that out and I watched season one and I can hardly recommend season one of Fargo. Uh, it's, it's not a horror per se. Um, but there's certainly a lot of violence. <laughs> so Phil, I think you in particular would enjoy it because it's like, uh, it's, uh, lots of gun violence. Um, and a little bit of mystery, but not really. Um, yeah, but it, it, there's a reason it's called Fargo. Uh, if you've seen the movie Fargo, uh, it's executive produced by the Coen brothers and it has a lot of their sensibilities applied to it. Um, so yeah, I can, I can hardly recommend season one of Fargo and I just started season two and Fargo is a completely different story every season. So you don't, you know, you can switch up if you want to, but I'm going in order. So season one thumbs up for me. Is that actually um, still going on? 
that or yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just came out with season five. Yeah, they oh, just okay. finished season five. I I don't remember if there's a connection with season. What station three is that again? Four. Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember if there's a connection with season three and four to the others, but season two is a prequel to season one. Season it's one. Got a, it's got a common character. Right. right. Season and and there are some events that are referred. I to haven't watched enough to know if it happened. like leads into the story or not. Right, and then season one actually does have a scene that will tie it to the to the film. Okay. Um, and I yeah I haven't I haven't watched five yet. Um, you know, but yeah, but they're they're all set in the same area. Uh, you know, Fargo. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, but in different time periods, different styles. Uh, but yeah, I I enjoy all all the four seasons I've seen. I've really enjoyed. Well, and for season one, Billy Bob Thornton is such a creepy mofo, man. Oh yeah, he is. He is a really good uh, villain in season one. Well, and there is de- online debate as to whether or not he's actually Satan. <laughs> you know, that's okay. I'll I'll look that up. That that could be a fun debate. Interesting. All right, anything else, Eric? Uh, that's it for me. All right, what about you, uh, Mike? So um, I finally finished playing Breath of the Wild, so I'm taking a breath from video games for a bit uh, because I, I tend they just tend to consume too much of my time when I get into them. Uh, we finished watching the third season of The Witcher, which I like. Uh, I'll be curious to see what happens when they replace um, Henry Cavill with uh, Liam Hemsworth. Uh, and see how this the series fares. Um, and we, but the one I wanted to point out was that we started watching the new season of True Detective. Uh, this is the one with Jodie Foster. Um, it's called I think Night Country. Now, it's set in Alaska, so sort of like Insomnia, and and Thirty Days of Night. So it's uh, during the time of year where there is 24 hours of darkness. Uh, and it's the name Night Country. But I really appreciate the fact that the film more or less starts on an Arctic research station. And a character named Clark is behaving <laughs> erratically. <laughs> the second person named, not actually in the station, is named Blair. Well, and there is a conspicuously placed VHS cassette on the shelf in the entertainment center in the research station. <laughs> well, yeah, it was really awesome. Was, uh, I was just so really, I really appreciated those little Easter eggs. Um, I, I enjoyed the first episode. Mike, Mike, literally right before we started recording, I was listening to a podcast where um, they were interviewing the director, um, Isa Lopez, and. Uh, one of them, they, they, I think they'd watched two episodes on screener, um, and they were like, "Man, you 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 really have been influenced by the thing." And and her response to that was, "Just wait till you get to the end of the season." <laughs> <laughs> and from the shadow steps, Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> that sounds cool. Um, and by the and the only thing I'll finish is to mention news. Um, you talked about the the Fargo TV series. That's Noah Hawley who's doing the Alien TV series. 
Uh, and this, 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 this drop, um, where he basically said, uh, yeah, he does not find the Prometheus or Alien Covenant to be useful. Good. Um, and he doesn't see the point of having the alien, like having been created 30 minutes ago. So, uh, as opposed to being a thing that naturally, so he's, even though Ridley Scott is executive producing the series, he's pretty much ignoring those two films. Yeah. Cool. Makes sense. Uh, all right. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? Um, let's see. I finished the game, the return to Moria game. I had a really fun time with that, uh, exploring Moria and killing orcs and trolls and dragons and stuff. Um, so that was pretty fun. Felt kind of short, but I had a good time with it. And we went to see the movie, the beekeeper, um, (laughs) on Sunday night and it's big, dumb action. I like, and I enjoyed it. And I like Jason Statham's, uh, action movies. So it was pretty enjoyable. Um, a little hard to believe at some points, but that's okay. It still was fun. <laughs> As you can expect. Forgiving in that regard. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, for me, um, uh, playing uh, Fallout 4 again. Uh, so doing uh, some of the downloadable content that came with it. Uh, game's humongous, so you can do all sorts of things differently and stuff. So, uh, uh, still having fun with that. Haven't played it for a while. I'll probably will go back to Fall Cry Five, Four. Fall Cry Four is the is the one, uh, Montana one. So I'll probably go back to that once I'm all Fallout Five. So I'll go back to Far Cry. Um, and then um, let's see what else. Uh, um, oh, news. Uh, the She Hulk uh, series has uh, been. Uh, canceled uh, season two. They they announced that a couple of days ago when the lead actress uh, was uh, interviewed uh, as a news item. And then, um, uh, as I mentioned uh, before, I, I did the. Um, uh, I'm watching uh, Zom 100, uh, which is an anime on Netflix uh, about the zombie apocalypse and this kid that uh, survives it. Or not a kid, but twenty-something-year-old that survives it and decides to uh, uh, make his life um, at least livable by trying to do a hundred things that he always was planning to do prior to the apocalypse that he could not do uh, before the apocalypse because uh, he had to continuously work uh, long hours and all the other crap things that we all have to do uh, to make a living and, and survive and and whatnot. Um, and that's a good show. Uh, and that's, uh, pretty much it, um, for me. So we do have, uh, the top 10, um, podcasts of the last 30 days. So, uh, let's get in here. So number, number 10 is, um, a tie. So, uh, episode 602, when evil lurks. And then, uh, the other episode is, and of course, the my thing uh, closed on me. Uh, number ten tie was dark par- dark discussions podcast episode six hundred four Godzilla minus one. Hmm. Um, 
And then uh, we have, um, let's see, episode 603 as number nine, which was Eli Lars Thanksgiving. And then number eight is episode 605, First Contact. And then number seven is uh, the King of Kaiju podcast, uh, episode six. And then uh, number six is episode 608 of Dark Discussions, Suitable Flesh. And then number seven and – I mean, not number seven. Number five and number four are episode seven and episode nine of uh, the King of Kaiju podcast. And then number three is episode 606, the New Year's Bucket List. And that one's still holding on pretty strong. And then number two is episode eight of King of Kaiju podcast, Birthright. And then number number one is episode 607, Dark, Dark Harvest. <laughs> and so that's our – Dark Harvest. That's right. That's right. So uh, some, some of the – uh, bigger movies are still holding on, and some of our uh, uh, later podcasts like First Contact and Dark Harvest and Suitable Flesh are uh, doing pretty well. And then, of course, New York's Bucket List is usually always uh, one of our more popular episodes of the year. Um, all right. So, oh, God, uh, God. Oh, I left the movie off my off my top 20 list. We need to go back and do that episode again. What's that? It's <laughs> a joke. It was a joke. Gotcha. No, right, I, so. I, forgot. I, left, I, left, I forgot Good Boy. It, it wouldn't have really changed anything except, like, it would have kicked something off my top 20. Oh, yeah. That's 10. the one about the, that Norwegian dog film that sounded The Norwegian weird. dog film. Yeah. Boy yeah. and a dog. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that would be something to take a look at. Um, weird I, I, Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard. Um, all right. So, uh, all right, yes. uh, uh, what what is uh, that other podcast that you do with your buddy Dan? Uh, it is a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A S K A N C I T Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. Indeed. And uh, Kevin Letts, uh, what was that podcast that me, you, Barrett, and and Sean uh, Fox just uh, wrapped up? It was about a television series, and you were watching them uh, anime. Now, what's that all about? Yes, it's uh, uh, Boa Hancock in the One Piece. And they are doing season two. Um, they had to start a little later just because of the writer's strike, but I think the writer's strike is either over or about to be over. So they are starting with season two, gay. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Yep, so people can check that podcast out. Uh, Barrett, what's that podcast that me and you do when we uh, have a rotating group of uh, co-hosts? Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Where we do just about anything. Indeed. And uh, Mike, what's that podcast that uh, me, you, and Eric do? That would be a Cinema a la carte podcast in which we discuss uh, non-hard genre films. Uh, we've we've done anime, uh, animated, we've done comedy, we've done science fiction, we've done drama, we've done thriller, uh, we've done western, we have, we have a sports movie coming up, we have not yet done rom-com. But that comes out on a semi-monthly basis. And Mike, we uh, might get around to rom com. We might do con- No Country for Old Men eventually. <laughs> 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 I 
We actually did, we actually did that on uh, Dark Discussions. <laughs> I know. It was a good joke, though. I had it to say it. It was yeah. a good joke. Uh, <laughs> and, Mike, what, uh, what's that podcast that we just wrapped up, uh, me, you, and Barrett? Oh, that was uh, King of Kaiju, the episode, a TV, a podcast about the TV series Monarch Legacy of Monsters, which will probably have a second season sometime in 2016, uh, no, 16, 2036. Uh, 2016 was in the past because we're old. And, uh, and I think anything that we do in the future that's a kaiju-related episode, let's say Godzilla Loves Kong, uh, will probably also get dropped there as well. Indeed, indeed. All right, so uh, let's give our final thoughts on the movie that we just discussed tonight, which was a uh, Patreon pick. Uh, once again, thank you to the Patreon uh, folks who donate to the podcast because we do this. If you're out free. there still listening and you suggest that you're the one that suggested this, please drop us an email and let us know. Exactly. Absolutely. So DDP in the subject and Fallen uh, as part of the subject as well. And uh, we'll find that in the inbox. So uh, we would uh, be greatly appreciated. We'll give you a shout out. Um, all right. So uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Uh, your final thoughts on Fallen, the 1998 film. I'm glad I watched it. I It did not appeal to me when it first came out. But now that I watched it, I'm glad I did. All right. Uh, for me, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just avoided it because I thought it was just going to be another schlocky uh, 90s um, religious horror film, as, as you know, Mike mentioned a, a bunch of them uh, earlier and stuff. And so I just ignored it, especially since Ebert and Roper or Ebert and Siskel were poo-pooing it. Um, but uh, actually, um, I, I think uh, the critics are wrong. This is actually a fairly strong film and uh, well-acted, uh, pretty good script and all that, and uh, I recommend. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Mike. Yeah, I think it's a solid film. Uh, I think it's a, a, a solid film. It's a good uh, mid-level horror film in, in that it, it works as horror, it works as thriller, it's accessible to people who are not necessarily into horror films, but I think there's enough there to keep your average horror film also, a film fan also interested unless they're just a, a gorehound. Um, I, I think there's some clever bits in it, but really I think the performances anchor it more than anything. And it is a good example of the celebrity horror bad that we got in the 90s. Right, sounds good. Uh, what about you, uh, Barrett? Um, I love this when it came out. I still love it. I think it's a great film. I always like Denzel Washington. So, And there's a lot of great supporting act, actors in this. Um, definitely watch it. All right. Sounds good. And uh, Eric? Uh, yeah. Um, I watched this movie in the theater. I uh, didn't remember a whole lot about it. I'm glad I had a chance to revisit it. Um, having done so, I can say now that I think this movie is probably underseen, uh, because of its box office failure and, uh, bad critical reception at the time of its release. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, I would recommend checking it out. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, once again, the film is called Fallen, uh, directed by, uh, award-winning, uh, director Gregory Hoblet and, uh, Written by award-winning uh, or, or recognized uh, screenwriter Nicholas Kazan. Uh, the film stars Denzel Washington, John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, Embits Davids, James Gandolfini, Elias Coteus, among other folks of note, as Mike mentioned, like Robert Joy and Ada Turturro. So, yeah, um, it's available for right now only as of 
January 18th, 2024 on uh, disc or rental uh, or purchase. Uh, it's not streaming uh, on any services that I could find, uh, as at least as of this date here uh, that we're recording. Uh, so, yeah, if that uh, sounds interesting to you, uh, check it out. And uh, with all that stated, Eric, what I leave this out. All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about Fallen. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. <laughs>